Welcome back, everybody, to this bonus episode for Drunk Bible Study 120. Or, I actually like how Emily says it. Welcome to Drunk Bible Study Bonus Edition, episode <laughs> yeah. 120. So, okay, this week, uh, we had that... There's a lot to unpack. That just fever dream of a story about the donkey and the lion and all that stuff going on. And then we had just, we just sort of burned through kings like they were going out of style. We just like one <laughs> after another, plowing through them. And something that came up then at the end was that Egypt came along and invaded Israel and they like raided all their stuff. They took all the cool commemorative shields that Solomon had made. Sad. And we were wondering about, did they, did they steal the Ark? What? What other stuff did they take, right? Like, what, how, how far did this go? And in looking this up, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Pharaoh Shishak is the one who they say stole the Ark of the Covenant and then hid it away oh. in the Well of Souls in Tanis, that, and then eventually the Nazis got it. Whoa. So, whoa. so he was the one who put it there and built whoa, that weird now I kind of rewatch that. Right? Yeah, built that mechanism Pharaoh where Shishak. you had to stick the thing in the ground and it would shine yeah, on the, the space rod. where it was. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was all Shishak. In the map room. Oh my gosh, how cool. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so in Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's that's who it was, um, and you know, and there's a bunch of research trying to identify like which pharaoh actually was this, and they believe it. It was probably Pharaoh Shoshenk the first, uh, based not on not Shishak, but Shoshenk. Yeah, but that in Hebrew it was written as Shishak or whatever. Shoshenk, um, uh, like redemption. Shoshenk yeah, redemption. Exactly. Thank yeah. you. I thought it was the Shawshank Redemption. Well, here's this too. So this is not the end of Shishak for us. And that's because Mm. we're going to get this whole story again in Chronicles. I think in Second Chronicles is when we're going to get this. As it was foretold. And and in that, they're going to get more into like Pharaoh's army that came and took all this stuff and kind of more detailed account of what happened. I think that's why it was like, but wasn't this all written down in the book of Chronicles or something? It's like other people can cover this story in more depth, I guess. Fascinating. But here's the thing I thought about the Ark of the Covenant, right? I was like, well, we've established with beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Ark of the Covenant was alien technology. There was radioactive, <laughs> maybe, and or electrical, right? And so it's very dangerous. And it's like, well, how could the Egyptians take that. That seems dangerous, right? It's How indeed. It's killed everyone else who's done it. And it got me thinking about ancient aliens a little more. And if you've watched or read about any of the ancient aliens stuff, they like talking about God and stories from the Bible. And like the, the next, the other most popular thing for ancient aliens to talk about is ancient Egypt. Right. Oh yeah, of course, makes sense. So it got, they love that stuff. Yeah, they love that stuff. So it got yeah. me thinking: Are these perhaps two different alien species, or maybe just two individual aliens from the same species of aliens that visited Earth, who each sort of picked their own group of humans to try to win against the other? You think only one alien came down? It wasn't like multiple aliens creating... Yeah, the Egyptians the... had many, many gods. Well, okay. Yeah. Yes, they did have many gods. 
there's also all these other gods too, right? There's Baal and Ashtaroth and, you know, maybe Beyonce is an alien. There's a lot of yeah. possibilities there. Uh, yeah. But it just made me wonder, though, if maybe these are different groups of aliens against each other, whether they were from the same, you know, species of alien or not. And so, I mean, this sounds like a great premise for a video game, I will say. This does sound like a good premise for a mm. video You're right. Shit. Shit. We got it. Okay. Drunk video game study is our next podcast <laughs> while we work on making that oh. game. Uh, so I picked out a couple clips from Ancient Aliens actually talking about each of these things here. Um, so Okay. So, Wait, clips? Yeah. You know, like audio. Audio clips. Oh. Okay. Are they are these the aliens talking and they got the clips? <laughs> like what are you what are you saying? No to clips me? from the show Ancient Aliens oh, okay. from the History Channel mm. about this. Tedeker's <laughs> like having a problem. Okay. Right? okay. So tell, show so us. this first tell section us. is about the Pharaoh who, a few centuries before where we are right now in the Bible in the 14th century, and we're in like the 10th century now, uh, that he tried to convert Egypt to monotheism. Yes, that was Ramses, whatever the heck, who tried to convert everybody to worshiping Ra. He may have also tried this. This was a different name that they gave in this one, though. Oh, okay. Uh, who was the but name? But was also no, worshiping I, I a, a, sun, a sun disc god. And when okay, we say sun disc, like a giant disc in the sky. They they don't say the name here. It might have also <laughs> been wrong. Maybe Ramses was also into that. I'm not sure. But but here's here's what they have to say about it. What could have inspired Akhenaten to make such drastic changes during a time of tremendous prosperity? Ancient astronaut theorists suggest there may have been an otherworldly influence, and as evidence, Whoa. point to the way he was depicted by artists of the time. Akhenaten introduced the idea that every time his artisans would carve something, it had to be lifelike. So it had to be represented exactly the way it was seen. Which is interesting because if you look at the likenesses of Akhenaten, he looks very strange. Akhenaten had himself depicted in the most peculiar way. He had this elongated face, he had this protruding belly, he had these almost like chicken leg type legs, very peculiar, with this, this elongated skull at the back. Like a big alien skull in the back. So they're saying maybe so like Akhenaten alien. was part alien. Wow. Right? I am looking at pictures of statues of Akhenaten, and that, that, that's true. They're not wrong. Right? Does he, he look like this... alien and aliens? No, I don't know. He looks human, humanoid to me. Yeah, human I mean, humans have so, a belly. It, I mean, everything humans... in Star Trek is I- humanoid. Yeah, yeah. You know, humans can have kind of an elongated face. But it's this debate about is his long hat just a hat or is that hiding his, you know, cone head because he's one of the cone heads or something. Okay. It's like Voldemort back there. So yeah. so that was that. And then I was like, but what about the Israel side at this time? Right? What's the deal? And I found out that King Solomon had flying airships. There are traditions in the Middle East of King Solomon having this airship and flying to different places in the Middle East, certain mountains, which are known as the Mountains of Solomon. These may have been certain airports or landing areas for these Vimanas. 
Nicholas Rourke, famous uh, Russian-American. Now, real quick, this guy they're talking about, this Russian-American explorer, if you've ever played the Command and Conquer games, looks exactly like Kane. Like he is one hundred percent the bad guy from the Command and Conquer games. Anyway, or, moving on. Who traveled all through Central Asia and Tibet uh, in the nineteen twenties? He too claimed that Tibetans had traditions of King Solomon flying to Tibet in this aircraft. And then they go on to talk about Solomon making maps from his airships and how there's maps Whoa. that date back that depict things like Antarctica before it had ever been discovered and things like that, because aliens made the maps. Also, King Solomon had airships. So now if Jesus, you imagine okay. this battle, right, between this, you know, these descendants of part aliens in Egypt with their cool pyramid alien technology, and then Solomon and his descendants with their airships and stuff, this is also a really good setting for a video game. This kind of <laughs> steampunk slash biblical times. It's it's uh, it just this stuff writes itself, or rather, was written by the ancient aliens people. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. I mean, honestly, I don't know how the pyramids got made without aliens. Like, really, truly, though. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, they're too perfect. And stuff. I don't know. I think I think you. I would say, oh, ye of little faith to the power of human potential. Honestly, oh, wow, if that's you inspiring. don't have smartphones on the internet and you put your mind to something, there's a lot that you can accomplish. I'm telling you. Okay, mm-hmm. Jennifer, yeah, if you okay. took also when you have a bunch of slave labor, right? Yeah, yeah. If you took all of the time you spend on your phone doing random shit, and instead pushed some rocks just a little bit closer to where you needed them to go, <laughs> you could eventually build the pyramids. I'm t- doing I suppose. some math, doing some geometry. <laughs> Lots of math. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Dedeker, what did you look up? Well, I wanted to know more about these male temple prostitutes. Of course, of course you, you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is interesting. I mean, first of all, I will say that sacred prostitution or temple prostitution is a thing, was a thing. Mm-hmm. Most often people associate it with the Greeks and Romans, of especially with like worship of the Greek goddess Aphrodite, that temple prostitution was something that was part of that worship. However, there is controversy around that. There's some people who make the argument that this is coming down to translation issues. Um, so hmm. specifically like our word harlot, people make the argument that actually the word harlot didn't mean prostitute, but it meant priestesses and healers and that's gotten kind of confused in a particular way i thought for sure you were gonna say they were not temple prostitutes they were body workers or (laughs) i thought you were gonna go go that direction it's quite possible but but this is the thing though is that there's also just evidence of sacred prostitution all over the world throughout world history Mm -hmm. you know both in really awful ways where it's like child prostitutes and also really interesting, empowering ways. Um, So, I mean, it it all connects to this whole thing about like sex being sacred, sex can potentially being a part of worship or that being a part of worship for a particular deity that has to do with sex or fertility, that that's often where this tradition gets kind of connected Hmm. to worship. Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, there's evidence of it all the world over. What I thought was really interesting that I thought you would find interesting, Jace, since we go to Japan all the time, that up until the Meiji period in Japan, Miko, who who were like the shrine maidens, 
supposedly would uh, be like shrine prostitutes. Wow. Up in, and because what happened what in the Meiji... What kind of prostitutes? Pe- shrine, shrine prostitutes. Okay, shrine. Yeah. That's supposedly what happened in the Meiji period is then there was too much of an influence of Western Christianity. Oh, that shamed them that out of it. That made that... Yeah. Shamed them out of it. This is huh. just what I'm getting just from, from some preliminary research. Um, but uh, there's an interesting quote that I found... Because this has been studied, and um, I will say that now, you know, the image of the sacred prostitute or the temple prostitute has been a really uplifting image of sex positivity, specifically for a lot of sex workers as well, Mm because it kind of shifts the narrative Mm -hmm. around prostitution or sex work away from this is a woman being exploited, this is a woman being taken advantage of, this is a woman in service of men to a much more empowering position. Um, And there was this really interesting quote from this woman, uh, psychoanalyst Nancy Qualls Corbett. She wrote a book called The Sacred Prostitute, Eternal Aspect of the Feminine. And this quote from her says, uh, in the temple, men and women came to find life and all that it had to offer in sensual pleasures and delight. But with the change in cultural values and the institutionalization of monotheism and patriarchy, the individual came to the house of God instead to prepare for death, which I thought Mm. was really, really interesting. Hmm. Um, You know, this idea of temple prostitution or sacred sex or stuff like that, I think really runs counter to what we understand of especially Christianity, Judeo-Christianity, which to me is like sex is not fun. Sex is not something that is enjoyable. Sex is not a worshipful act. Um, Right. So, yeah. So, and then also, um, you know, there's evidence of both women and men being temple prostitutes, depending on the culture that you're in or the deity that you're particularly worshiping at the time. Right. But apparently it was quite scandalous to have men doing this in Israel at this time. In Israel, yeah. Although I was reading, like, in the Wikipedia, it does talk about the fact that that Israel went through a period of time where temple prostitution was a-okay, huh. including men. Huh. And right. bear in mind that a lot of the books that we read have to do with reform, you know, like we do with Deuteronomy, where it's written after the fact. Right. Where it's like, we've yeah. gotten away from these things, and now we need to reform and get back to these things. And that's what we're going to talk about. Well, and so. we determined last week that this, that First and Second Kings was also probably written by the Deuteronomists. So the same thing, like during this time of, yes. of religious reform, of becoming much more uh, conservative and much more monotheist. Yeah. Perhaps that's why they really decided to like uh, reiterate so many things. Yeah. yeah. Reiterate it. The Book of Chronicles. Mm-hmm. is a thing where you'll hear this or where you have already heard it because you've already read it, which we haven't. Right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I looked up our wacky first chapter of the reading of 120, of episode 120, which was uh, chapter 13 in First Kings. And uh, yeah, most specifically... I uh, looked up the stuff about the donkey and the lion, but first I wanted to talk about this thing that talked about the Josiah section. So okay. it said, and this I think is from the NIV where they're, what they're talking about in this um, enduringworld.com article. Enduring word? World. Word. Not world. Word. I can, the I, word I, is I can tell a Christian title when I see it a mile away. Yeah. 
So it says, Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you. So this is a prophecy, apparently, that's going to be fulfilled 340 years after this is prophesized. Okay. So yeah. Are we? Do you, did you get the sense that we're going to get to that at some point in the Bible? Apparently in Second Kings. Oh, oh, gosh. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. Yeah. So we're not going to get it here, but we're going to get it in the next book, <laughs> okay. which is fun. Great. Yeah. So I just wanted to point that out as uh, something to like have in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, and, the sac- uh, burning okay. the bones on him, the sacrifices on burning him. Burning the incense. Or, okay. Yeah. Okay. But Josiah is going to be born to the house of David. And I guess I'm assuming he's another king because he's in the book of Kings. It's gotta be. Yeah. Second book of Kings. But yeah. Okay. So then I went to another website called Set Apart People, helping you be set apart unto him. Emily, you Dot find no, okay. just the best websites. <laughs> I need to I need to jump in here because it's funny. I learned that the Hebrew words for a female temple prostitute and a male temple prostitute literally mean like a set apart woman or a set huh. apart Whoa. man. Interesting. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Does that hold up with what this site is trying to teach us? Uh, well, it has like a menorah and some Hebrew uh text i guess like characters above the menorah so okay 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 maybe <laughs> has to I do with, with hebrew yeah okay, okay. Great. yeah okay but it's interesting so this uh this article about about this thing that i looked up is called a prophet comma a donkey and a lion dot 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 a warning for you exclamation point okay <laughs> ah, please <laughs> Please tell me how they've made this into a warning that's somehow yeah. relevant to modern life. Like, don't <laughs> so, ride on your donkey okay. when there's lions nearby. Yeah, don't, don't ever eat yeah. when you're in Israel. Like, what's the deal? Okay, we have two prophets here. One faithful to Yahweh's word and another living within the borders of the apostate king. And most probably following the ways of everyone in that place. The faithful prophet did what Yahweh commanded him to do. He was on his way home and was found by the apostate prophet resting under a tree. He was persuaded to act contrary to Yahweh's word by someone he believed to be a fellow believer. The apostate prophet said to him, I'm a prophet like you, and he acted foolishly. He chose to leave Yahweh's protection in disobedience and was punished for it, like he died. How often don't we do the same? We have access to so many amazing teachings— we can type in a keyword on the internet and find many okay, to choose yes, from. Yes, we get the internet. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, we know We've what all, it is. We grew up with it. We get it. How often do we listen to a teaching or read an article by a person professing to be someone like ourselves and just accept whatever they say is truth, not knowing that it is not really in accordance with Abba, Yahweh's word? Abba? Uh, what? I, do we even take out our own scriptures to check the references for contextual or other errors in their own interpretation. Hey, she's advertising our show right here. She's like, <laughs> you're right. Have you actually listened to drunk Bible study or do you just take people's word for what's in the Bible? Well, then she says, we're living in the age of deception. Deceptions come, e- comes easily even to the faithful. We need to make sure everything is in accordance to Abba, Yahweh's word, not the word of man, even if it sounds amazing. Mamma mia. Sorry. Yeah, here just, I go saying, again. You keep saying Abba, and I just... 
I know. Well, it says A B B A. I don't know. No, that's and then where finally. That, yeah, that's yeah. That that word is also oh, used is for God. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Um. Okay, and then it says a bunch of crap, and then it's like <laughs> you reading this. That is fa- that is okay. You reading this is that faithful prophet of Yahweh. Do not be led astray. Always prove everything against the word of Yahweh. If there is in any way contrary to the word of Yahweh, do not follow or share it. Wrong is wrong. It is either in line with Yahweh's word or not. There is no in between. Be careful. Prove everything. The I'm still wow. lost about how this applies to my life. <laughs> well, this is okay. This is the thing. This is just bringing up some religious PTSD because so much of the narrative for evangelical Christians is about like. You know, the enemy is going to try to tempt you and you just have to know you have to listen to the voice of God and you're like, you'll know what the voice of God is. However, be careful because sometimes there can be false prophets that can try to trip you up and they may sound like the voice of God. But, you know, if you have a good connection with God, you will know if you speak to God every single day, you will know. And it's basically just setting you up to doubt everything all the time, all the time. Right. And this I feel like this story is a perfect example of that, of that someone comes along and is like, oh, no, no, no. Yahweh spoke to me, too. And he said that actually it's OK. And it's like, how is he supposed to test that? Trust no one. Yeah, it's OK. I think we need to just chalk this up. to This was a weird story someone heard once and thought that they should put it in the uh, Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah. I mean, that's a good question, too. At what point in the editing process were they like, yes. This story should go here in between these stories about what these kings did and then all these other kings did. We're going to have this long aside about this uh-huh. other really weird random story. Like, what's the, like, okay, here's what bothers me about her whole thing is like, what's remarkable about this story compared to other stories we've read is not mm-hmm. the fact that someone lied to someone else. That's happened a bajillion times already. Uh-huh. It's not the fact that someone has died for seemingly no good reason. Or that yeah, Yahweh I mean, has punished someone gillian times. Or that Yahweh has punished someone for something that they couldn't reasonably have known or what right? Or maybe they should have known, but whatever, right? None of that's new. None of that's interesting. The new interesting part is that the lion killed him but didn't eat him and stood next to the donkey. Yeah. What's the lesson there? I couldn't find there? anything that What's interesting the about there? that. I don't know. It's just are we anthropomorphizing like these 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 animals? I mean, we are by casting no, Eddie Murphy think, and James Earl Jones. I mean, I suppose, but yeah. I think this was literally someone in their lifetime heard a story from their neighbor's cousin <laughs> about how their roommate was out on the road one day and saw a dead body in the road. And what's even more nutso is the fact there was a lion there and uh-huh. the donkey that belonged to the dude and the lion was just hanging out. Wasn't eating the dude, wasn't going after the donkey. Like, this is just somebody's anecdote that has gotten inserted into this story. Okay, that's, that's what your I think. theory. Okay. I don't think that there's any kind of moral lesson there at all. Okay. Okay, so it's like the person who just like they've got sort of one interesting story and they just got to insert it anywhere it's even slightly relevant <laughs> and that they happen to be one of the scribes at this point and we're like, guys, 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 trust yeah. me, like this is going to make the story better. Just go with me here. It's based on a true story, y'all. Right. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Or I mean, like my neighbor's cousin's roommate saw it, but still. Uh, but yeah. Like, can you but- imagine? No. <laughs> okay. This has been a long bonus episode. It has. Yeah. Uh, we would definitely love to hear from all y'all if you have any ideas about what might be a good moral that we could force 
into this particular story or any kind of metaphor we can force with this long this uh called them almost was going to call them a lonky and a dying <laughs> and so that means that it's time it's tr- for me <laughs> to wrap now. up this recording thank you so much for joining us <laughs> and we will see you next week